It's time to take a deeper look, see what's on the horizon. Check if the earn is out or underperform the guidance. The good companies always striving for innovation, while the bad, short-sighted, often get complacent. But we plan for the future and look for action to take now. So gather around, it's time for the breakdown. Oof. <laughs> we almost didn't make it. <laughs> almost, almost, Good Lord. almost. Almost didn't make it. Like when I tell you, well, Julian, you saw. Like literally, I was at one point without a machine, and people like you know everybody looks at this machine in the background, and they're like, "Hey, Mark, you could have used this machine." This one went down too. So, and that one had that that one holds a lot of our content. So, just as a heads up for everybody, literally, I'm after like right after today's show, I'm gonna have to figure out exactly how to recover ten terabytes of just data that is just gone so that's like lessons and everything else that's that tragic that is <laughs> i am put, i am keeping up a straight face but hey i look at it like this if i could lose 18 million in a trade then i can do this so <sighs> how are you Jolyn? i mean despite the technical difficulties i'm good but that really is significant it is it's like very like people are like oh well you'll get the data back no 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 it doesn't work like that <laughs> it does not work like that at all so um this should be very very interesting to see how it pans out mm -hmm. um, but you know what i'm here you're here, here. so let's here. you ready you ready to get it you ready to get it popping i am okay all right well let's start it off well first things first What's good, everybody? I'm Mark Monroe, accompanied by my wonderful co-host, co-producer, co-creator, and all things galactic. Give it up from Leisureton, none other than. You know, I almost forgot what I was going to say. I'm, so, you know what? I'm like so discombobulated, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is it because of what happened to me? It's, I feel like this, yeah, that, like thinking about the data loss is just unreal like 10 terabytes that's a lot um but yeah i'm julian gc in the place to be and i just i gotta you know get the vibes back up because that really is the part <laughs> it really is it's like throwing me off my game i'm sorry i i really am it's like well why am i apologizing this is Microsoft's you don't fault. need to apologize <laughs> like <laughs> this has nothing look i did a windows update came back and then all of a sudden, boom, like restart, nothing was working. So I was like, all right, well, let me go ahead and run it on this machine. Right. The machine said, absolutely not. It did the same exact thing. So I was like, okay. So I finally got them both up and going at the same time. So uh, anyways, but y'all, you're not here for my humdrum day or any of those types of things. You're here for the markets. You're here for all things generational wealth, as well as things that are about progress and revenue generating conversations. So let's get to it. So before we get that going, though, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below because, y'all, if this ain't dedication right now as it pertains to all the things that have transpired, I don't know what to tell you. But go ahead and hit the subscribe button down below and be sure to smash that like button because we would totally be appreciative of it. And on top of that, if you want to be in the know, just like how none other than Cousin Lane hitting them with the back-to-back -back like Drake <laughs> in the building. Shout out to Cousin Curtis Lane because he was the first one in the chat because he had his notification bell ready. And when we 
went live, he was there. He was like, all right, you know, they put it out there. I'm going to go ahead and get this back to back. And that's exactly what he did. Mark, heads up. Your audio went like this. Y'all, y'all going to have to deal with it today because everything is not set up. Like, literally, I just literally got Windows and Trading View and Chrome installed. And that is literally it. And my camera driver. So things are still installing in the background. So hopefully the audio can get better. All right, so, Jalen. Yes. What happened in today's markets? I mean, there's been a lot going on over the past set of days, but what happened specifically? Like this? Let me is all wrong. My lights are not even right. Hold on. I don't think my lights are right either. What are we on right now? Like, yo, let's. All right. There we see. There we go. Now, now that's what I'm talking about. That's nice five. All right, y'all. Let me let me just pull my entire self together right now. All right. <clears throat> I still can't even get it. <laughs> You'll get it. You'll get it. <sighs> okay. All right. I'm looking at the markets right now. All right. So the Dow was negative uh 308.12 points now we're at a level of 31,790.87 we broke that 32,000 level um S&P 500 is or was rather negative 44.45 points um let's see we have a current level of 3,986.16 the NASDAQ, negative 134.53 points, which leads us to a level below 12,000 at 11,883.14. The VIX was at 26.21, and the 10-year Treasury note was 3.106 percentage points, heading over to sector performance. As you all know, there are 11 sectors, and we like to keep track of the top three and the bottom three so we can see what that rotation is looking like. We have financials, health, and communication services ahead of the pack, although it was red all across the board. We got um, in the bottom, we have industrials, materials, and energy. Something that I'm currently lacking right now is energy. (laughs) Then we have our pick performance. Okay, so if you don't know where our picks are, you can head on over to our Instagram page at that come up series and you will find our pick list. We have SQQQ leading the pack at 3.271 percentage points to the upside, followed by Best Buy coming in at 1.61 percentage points. I'll also note that Best Buy had earnings to report. We have Zscaler up one. 0.48 percentage points and then for our bottom feeders which is the complete opposite of last week now we have um devon all the way at negative uh 4.13 percentage points unity software was negative 4.19 percentage points and the ticker symbol oih negative 4.68 percentage points so last week oil was up this week it's not leading the pack so Mark, there's a lot going on. You already know. Um, I know you know. What the Fed said. I know you already know. <laughs> well, they're coming back, y'all. They're coming back. And um, 
it was quite hawkish. It sent the market into a tizzy. It didn't seem like investors were strong either way. It kind of seemed pretty equal. We have bulls, bears, the back and forth, the dance of it all. It's still hard. It's it to me. It seems like it's just pretty much like there's not a clear direction yet. I imagine yeah. once we get you know some good news, any good news, I feel like it will tip in the bulls' favor. But we'll just have to keep that. <laughs> our eye on that we'll have to keep our eye on it mark um we had some economic data come out too as well with consumer uh confidence survey which was up mm -hmm. mark from it beat the expectations um at 103.2 from 95.3 which was in july so interesting that despite all the things that are going on with hawkish comments um from the fed and uh inflation consumer confidence seems to be up at the moment we'll see if yep. it continues through summer or through to the end of the summer we'll see what september is looking like but mark we have some questions today i know we want to get into um the fed talks with the you know quantitative tightening and all that um yep. look at a couple of charts if we're able to technically speaking if we're able to um i'll, I'll, I'll do my best all right, I'm gonna kick it over to you. Tommy! Okay. Sorry, I had to get it out. <laughs> I had to get it out. <laughs> you know what? It's like one of those days. Like, <laughs> throw some water all over it. All right, all right. So let's get it going. Ooh, that feels cold. All right. So where should we begin? Because there's a lot to discuss here. So let's talk about the thing that wasn't that well a person spent eight minutes and brought down the market with a solid eight minutes like if that's not power if that's not you know a lot of things and i don't know what it is but you know because normally here's the thing normally when you have the jackson hole symposium that's normally you know where you're given the keynote by the federal reserve chairman um you normally go through this period of like it's probably about a 30 to 40 minute speech Powell didn't do any of that. <laughs> he literally just said, you know what? I said what I said, and I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and I'm out. <laughs> no questions. Just walk off the stage. No sexual chocolate, none of that. Just literally, this is what I said. And he said a lot, but also didn't say what, uh, some of the things that needed to be said. Mm, so... More. Let's say, like, for example, one of the things that he had to address in the room mm -hmm. was exactly like, you know, how bad inflation really was. Like, the, those chickens have come home to roost to say, okay, hey, you have to address it. You have to address the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. There's no dancing around it. You got to, like, literally address, you got to address your peers and everybody else that inflation is pretty bad. So here we are. And he was really speaking to, I think he was more so speaking to the American people um, in the sense that, you know, hey, that there's more pain ahead. And then on top of that, he wanted to show, because there was a lot of chatter that was also being discussed about the Fed is going to be making a pivot and all these different things. Um, and he kind of just like threw cold water on it because of the fact that a lot of his credibility has really like taken a significant ride given in the sense that 2021 was all about inflation is transitory or, or even in the early part of this year, inflation is transitory. Um, the numbers have never really quite, you know, been correct. And 
you know, I think Jeremy Siegel said it best. It's like, you know, now it's like we're going to be in this period of time where it's like people are like looking at the Fed and it's like, the Fed, is the Fed overcompensating? Because now it's like you've gotten demand to be like demand is starting to be crushed all across the board. Look at what's happening in retail. So like a good segue is look at Best Buy sales. Now, Best Buy beat on the top and bottom line, but yet its profits were significantly smaller than what it used to be. Now, part of that is due to inflation and the other part is due to inventory consumers. Do they want to go and buy um, or are they looking to do without because of the fact that if you have to choose between your everyday essentials Shout outs to the Procter and Gambles of the world. Um, if you have to choose the everyday essentials versus buying the bleeding edge tech, and especially at this point in time that the tech right now currently isn't so bleeding edge, well, that's going to pose somewhat of a problem. So where we currently stand right now is the Fed realizes that. And now it's like we have to, now we're at a consensus or at, at a precipice where the Fed is now having to make a decision. Wait, say that again, Mark? Where the Fed is now having to make a decision. Okay. And with a decision, that process is going to be, well, do we come out hawkish and do we go a little bit further hawkish in which that, you know, there's other parts of the market that expect that, but then there's other folks in the market that expect, okay, hey, he came out with strong words. Will those words really hold water when we get to that point of, you know, new economic data comes out? So like, for example, all eyes are looking at like, what made them like think about it and that's why when you said well we're waiting on good news well technically we've been receiving some good news lately like for example uh you know job job growth has been booming you know the unemployment rate has still remained at its low um labor force participation um is still there but at the same token the market dropped so we're seeing, so with that, here's the reason why I think that's spooking the market. Because with those things also brings forth wage inflation. And so as that will also keep moving the needle for wages to go up. The other part that people are looking at is, say, for example, when we see things like the real estate market. So, of course, we know that demand is definitely starting to crater, given in the sense that nobody wants to go out there and buy a house that has a high interest rate. I mean. Would you buy a home in a high interest rate environment? Probably not. So again, it's like there. So you're seeing demand slightly being crushed. Home builder confidence is significantly down, and so it's like kind of like good news is bad news, and bad news is bad news. And that's currently the sentiment of where we are. Until the the number one things that people are really paying attention to is PCE and, C, and CPI. Now, as we start to see that the because you cut out. So, so the only thing that we're starting to, the only thing that people are really paying attention to mm-hmm. is PCE and CPI. Those seem to be the only things that the market is really paying attention to. And of course, it's like we've seen that the market also got a little bit out of out of whack, so to speak, given in the sense that now we're also looking at things like, you know, earnings growth. So remember, earnings growth this year is slated to be about 8%, so which means single-digit growth. Mm. Now, what does that say about the market when we see that looking currently right now, and we've only went through the second quarter earnings, so Q3 earnings are right up on deck. What does that say that so far this year that earnings are in double digits still? I think we're at a consensus of, I think we're at 10 
10 or 12% earnings growth. Um, but will that still hold as we go into the latter part of the year? Again, inflation, you're looking at things like energy and food. So will those things get more expensive as the year progresses? And what will that do? Um, and then, of course, other issues as it pertains to what's happening overseas that produces foreign exchange issues, a.k.a. within, um, you know, if, if let's say the euro is struggling, but the U.S. dollar is strong, then that's going to cause significant issues as it pertains to revenue. We saw that with companies like Microsoft and many others. Um, is the dividend, is companies paying a stronger dividend yield as well as buying back shares? Is that going to do it? Probably not because everybody's doing it. So that's, that's not the case. Um, and of course uh, we kind of see this risk off environment, but yet we're seeing selling with low volume. Well, Mm -hmm. let's hit people with a newsflash, shall we? Yes. So when we think about like, why is it that we see it happen during these points in time? For all the OG cousins in there, you know why. Typically during the months of July, August, and September, those are typically low volume months. Why? Because nobody's at nobody's really there. All your significant all your significant traders and everybody else, they're off on vacation. A lot of folks now are starting to look towards the next nine months, which puts you at 2023, um, or preparing for 2023. Um, a lot of folks are looking beyond 2022. And so Here's what's happening now. You're starting to see a lot of conferences take place. Now, not just like developer conferences and stuff like that, but Wall Street is starting to have conferences with CEOs and CFOs. So now that we've gone through that, we've reached the halfway point. Wall Street wants to know, okay, well, what do you guys see from the data that you guys have in your everyday data of what's coming down the pipeline? So I wouldn't be surprised that there is. So let's just run the tape for you for a second. PE ratios got ridiculously high. Like, for example, you saw Apple trading at, what was it, 28 or 27 uh, times earnings over the next 12 months, um, which is ridiculously high, especially within this environment, um, which makes people squint and be like, "Mm, I think that's a little bit over. That's a little bit expensive. Hence the reason why you saw Apple roll over. And then, and, and many other companies like it. The second thing that we saw was, of course, the Fed saying, okay, hey, the, you know, we're going to keep raising rates for as long as it takes though that there really is no timetable. So that brings forth, okay, hey, well, to what end? There's no real timeline. There's no real roadmap outside of what you said. And, you know, do we really hold what you say? Does your does your word really hold water? I mean, it's a, it's a mixed bag depending on which groups of the market that you listen to. Then, of course, we just had earnings. So now that those earnings have, now that we've received earnings, Wall Street analysts and everybody else, they have to go back and take that data back and say, okay, hey, does this fit our model? Do our models have to be readjusted as it pertains to our expectations? So hence the reason why you're going to probably start seeing different price targets and, and upgrades and downgrades come forth. But that takes time. So again, it's like there's that. Then, of course, we have the looming midterm election, which, of course, the market doesn't like uncertainty, especially when it comes to a geopolitical direction. So there is that. So then on top of that, we don't know if inflation has peaked. And of course, if you don't know, then of course, it's like, all right, well, what does that do to everybody's full year guidance? Is their guidance still intact or, you know, what's happening? Um, So there's that part. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different moving pieces 
in which that the Fed now has to say, okay, hey, well, we've got to make a move. And then, of course, there's this, this conversation of quantitative tightening. Okay, so we have this quantitative tightening, which a lot of folks are like, well, what does that do? Well, of course, during quantitative easing, the Fed was buying back mortgage-backed securities and treasury bonds. When it goes into a tightening period, then essentially, like like uh, Chuck, Cousin Chuck had said, we're the bank of banks. So when we make it easy, easy monetary, easy monetary policy, then, hey, everybody like, yo, go out there and spend some money. Mm-hmm. When we start tightening... <laughs> <laughs> pump the brakes a little bit um oh just by the way uh, so i'm using this ai camera so when i use a certain gesture it automatically like turns it off so that way it turns off the motion so i guess i have to work on my hand gestures now yeah just- um so and then so so and then it's like there's this thing of we're trying to navigate through all of that and trying to steer clear of a recession, and depending on which circles that you're in, of course, some will tell you that we're in a recession, some will tell you that we're not into a recession. But there are some things in which that I want you guys to pay attention to, in which that you know I, I, I sent it out as a message to everybody else, and I'll send it out to I'll, I'll let each and every single one of you in on it as well. So things to pay attention to. Now, of course. I'm a huge fan of like the three month over the two year treasure or over the two year. So, which means that the, the three month versus the 10 year inverse. So when those two invert, then that lets you know, full blown recession though, that people say that the two year and the tens are a good indicator because of course it can predict anywhere from 10 to 18 months versus I think that the, the three month gets a little bit more granular because at that point in time, when somebody is buying up three year, uh, treasuries and they don't have any faith even in the two year itself. So there's that. So yeah. far, we're seeing that the that the three month has been holding at bay, but it's been kind of like knock knock knocking on heaven's door lately. So that's something to pay attention to. But another thing to look at is if we see that the two year starts to roll over, that could be very good for equities within the market. So when you see bond markets start to roll over. In the sense where, you know, pretty much people are starting to buy those up, because again, when you see people, when you see the yields are going higher, that's an enticement for people to buy bonds, so that way they can get a, a much more better return. But and I don't know where the two-year currently sits right now. I can probably pull that up for us and see what we got. Um, let me see. So the two-year currently sits at. It's still sitting at 3.4 and, and some change, so 3.45. So a lot of folks were suspecting that the two-year was going to creep all the way back up to 3.5 or maybe even 3.6. It's possible that it can, but so far it hasn't been doing that. Um, so this could be a make-or-break time in which that we could potentially see that those those two potentially roll over. And if we do see that those roll over, then that's going to be definitely a somewhat of a bullish sign for U.S. equities. There's another thing that people are looking at and which that, you know, economic data not only just goes here in the United States, they look at things like, for example, what's happening over in Europe. Now, of course, Europe has consisted of a few places, but the number one place in which that everybody's looking at is Germany. Now, the one thing that spooked everybody about Germany was, of course, their natural gas supply and stockpile. So... Again, if we see those things that tend to creep up as further issues alongside with what's ha- like people are asking me, China and Taiwan, let's can we just keep it a buck with each other for a second? 
please do. China and Taiwan have been beefing for a minute. <laughs> this ain't nothing new. Mm-hmm. Like, people think that this is like, you know, that this is new news. No. If you go back in time, you'll see that they have literally been beefing with each other for a minute. Like, China wants Taiwan to come into the fold. Taiwan is like, absolutely not. We will remain independent, and that's how it's going to be. Um, and it's like, you know, like it didn't really become a popular thing until chips started to really become popular as it pertains to common conversation. But truth be told, you know, honestly, it's something that we've been seeing for years now. Can it actually come to fruition? By all means, yes, it can. But at the same token, companies are not stupid. What they're going to do is probably start to say, okay, hey, well, we're going to literally hedge or cover ourselves. In the sense that if China does try to act buck wild, then we're going to be going to play with players like, for example, in, uh, India, which is you know, a place where people should be paying attention to very significantly. Um, and then on top of that, other places like Vietnam um, and other related countries. So I would say pay attention to those um, as it pertains to signs in which that we're seeing that there's expansion of U.S.-based companies looking to increase their su- or to improve their supply chain without having to go through significantly being reliant on China. So something to pay attention to would be interesting. Well, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how the whole conversation or the narrative around Africa shakes as well, because there are some of those conversations. But, you know, a lot of you probably know this by now, but China has made significant amounts of investment within Africa. So again, investing, it's like, it's kind of like people are thinking like, well, investing in Africa is kind of like investing in China. so it's like, you know, how do you get out from underneath that rock? Um, so again, there's a lot of, so if you notice what I just gave you, I just gave you a lot of factors. I gave you a lot of different, you know, scenarios or issues. And again, the market does not like that. The market likes things in which that are predictable or things in which that it, it knows mm-hmm. and which that it can foresee coming. Or which that it knows, okay, hey, well, what's the next move? Technically, we don't know what the next move is. You know, and typically when we get into the rate hike environments, you know, those can be iffy because they're based upon lagging data based upon what the Fed has been able to compile. Now, the question is, is the Fed looking at things in the sense of trying to catch up? Or is the Fed trying to overreact and get a get ahead of things? That is the question. I mean, it's based on based on you know the eight minutes, the very harsh eight minutes. It seems like with all the backlash, it seems like they're trying to prove a point. Um, and I I said some overcompensation just because things just got so bad with inflation, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and to say that inflation was transitory and have investors, you know, thinking, okay, we can manage this. It's transitory. It's not going to be here for that long. It's temporary. And then for it to be, you know, August, what's today's date? August 30th, yep. 2022. And inflation is even higher. And it, you know, like that, it does make you, if we're talking about, you know, consumer confidence, well, as far as investor confidence goes, it's like, okay, we heard what the Fed said, yep. but how much can we rely on this? And also it's just like, well, what, where do we go from here? Like, what's the path ahead now that they've said what they've said? 
what is the path forward? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question because it's like, you know, and typically in these environments, you would see that financials are doing well. Well, Even yeah, they the were financials is, today. Exactly. So you should see that financials do very, very well. And some of the other players that, you know, within the in rate hike environments, they also do pretty well. And, you know, okay. But the question is, is that, you know, have we, like, has it been done? Like, and again, the target is probably about three and a half or between 3.25 and 3.5%, in which they're probably going to get the, the real federal funds rate too, uh, which we currently sit at 2.5 right now. People are screaming for a 100 basis points move. That's not going to happen. I think that the next basis rate hike basis point move is probably going to be between 50 to 75. Um, but again, it's like, all right, well, you said that you're going to keep us from, like, you're going to have us into a soft landing. Well, is a soft landing still landing us into a recession? Or is a soft landing having us land without, like, you know, by dodging a recession? Because based upon what we're seeing, we're seeing elements in which that, okay, you were, sl- you were late to the party, and now that you're here, you're, it's like, the way that I look at the Fed is this, this is the way that I look at how the Fed has handled it right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably sure that this is probably the general consensus. So I'm not speaking, you know, I'm just, I'm, this is what I'm gathering. So let me rephrase. This is what I'm gathering from, from the rest of the market. There was a party that was supposed to be taking place. And it was like everybody who, anybody who's anybody was supposed to be there. And of course, the Fed is one of the VIPs there that everybody was expecting to be there or was expecting the show, to be the showstopper. But the Fed kind of like showed up kind of like Lauren Hill to a, to a, to a show in which that you show up late on stage and then it's like now you're trying to rock out but you're not really rocking out because you're trying to catch up and you're trying to get the energy back from everybody else and it's like uh-huh. i mean we're going to give you the respect and everything else and the credence for what you do because you're you <laughs> but at the same time it's like are we too little too late mm-hmm. and that's the question that's the question that everybody's asking is the fed doing this in order to keep up or to be ahead of what's coming or are they just, they're kind of like, well, we already know that they're winging it because there is no real strong playbook for this. Like there was no pandemic. Oh, yeah. Right. So it's like, and you know, you'll, you've seen where we've had many guests that have come on that are, that have studied economics, that that's their, that was their degree and profession. Folks with an economics never get it right. They're never like, just like, you know, spot on, like they're not known to be spot on people. If you talk to anybody who's within economics, they will literally give you a 50-50 answer every single time. So could we have so is there something in which that we should just move forward and expect every single time that we hear the Fed is that we're going to hear a 50-50 answer. One is going to be based upon the data and the other one's going to be based upon the data in which that they have, which is a lagging indicator versus what we already know or what we're seeing that's happening now. I think that that's the best way to look at it. Mm. Okay, let's get into some questions. Let's do it. All right. So here's a question about the pick list. Okay. So will there be will there be new sips a new sips list for quad witching? Uh, I mean, you don't really need a new pick list. Like the reason why, like, okay, here's a small little breakdown of the pick list. The pick list is built there for it's a, it's a little bit of something for everybody, and it's like the pick list is there for you to look at things differently and literally study a thesis for. 
Now, if you're saying that we need more, we want more data, we want to study more things and everything else, you know, okay, here's a, here's a hint. Go look at some of their competitors, like, because their competitors are not on the list. So that would be a good way to look at who their competitors are and what is it that they're doing now. If you notice a general consensus of what everybody's doing the same thing, where it's kind of like a monkey see, monkey do, or everybody's copying everybody's homework, and that kind of gives you the general consensus of the sector, and it can possibly give you the general consensus of the industry alongside with the overall market. So, for example, I'll give you an example. Okay. Devon Energy was one of the picks that we listed on the, on the list. Now, Devon Energy has been doing very, very well alongside with many of the other energy companies. Now, of course, why? Of course, because we see that energy has significantly spiked. It's definitely a commodity. So when we have short supply, then it becomes even more valuable. All right. So now that these companies that are within the energy space have been doing so well, their profits are significantly high. Now they're asking, where do we spend our money? How do we spend our money? Do we pay back a dividend? Do we do a share buyback? You know, are, but is this producing an opportunity where you could be paying attention to some of these companies? Are some of these companies that were once upon a time considered value, are they turning into growth stocks? And if we notice the characteristics of growth stocks, Growth stocks don't really focus on paying out huge, strong dividends. They will pay out a dividend in some cases, but what they focus on is the next leg. They start investing in arenas in which that literally come down the pipeline. And they do that for the sake of, say, for example, you know, what, where the company will be over the next five years. So if you're looking at a company like Devon Energy or let's say a Diamondback Energy, AKA, I think that's Bang, um, and then some of the other ones out there, well, what are they doing with the excess amounts of cash in which that they're spending? Mm. You know, that would be something to really pay attention to, you know, and even in these types of markets, you got companies out there that are spending money, you know, but again, I would be paying attention and it's, it's funny because we're seeing the conferences take place across all investment banks right now. So you're going to start seeing in, conferences where, again, CEOs and CFOs literally go and speak to large amounts of people within the investment community where their dollars actually get put to work and AKA seasonality factor. People are coming back from vacation. They're coming back from vacation and looking at this market and they're like, hey, I've been sitting on cash this entire time. Well, now that I'm seeing this, what do I do with the money that I've had sitting here and just on the sideline? I deploy it? And if I do deploy it, what am I going to do? Where am I going to deploy it? You know, every quarter, uh, firms have to literally buy stuff. That's literally the focus. If you have large inflows, then that means that you have to be buying things on a quarterly basis. So we know that that's going to be happening. So the question is, what are they buying? That's the first question. Second question is, what is it that these companies, CEOs and CFOs, are going to be telling investment banks, hedge fund managers, uh, portfolio uh, managers, retirement funds, all those different types of folks in whom which that manage, you know, the main flows of really where the money is? What is it that they're telling? What is it that they're telling the people? And is it good enough for people to be able to understand? Is it good enough for people to say, okay, hey? Based upon the data that we know about what's taking place right now in the current economic landscape, can they still come out on top as a winner? And that's really going to be the case. So we're probably going to see conferences take place. And from those conferences, you'll probably start seeing new analyst targets uh, that come out. 
And then after that, you'll see the market itself react. But again, you're probably not going to see the market. Like you were probably going into a choppy period within the market probably until November. So where everybody's going to be like, okay, the coast is clear. Okay. So um, there was a question here about has your thesis changed? Has your thesis on the S&P changed from last week following um, the Fed's comments? No. No. Here, here's the thing. I don't sacrifice temporary moments for a long-term vision. Right. I just don't. I don't. I don't sacrifice long-term thesis for you know the hot take of the day. I'm not about that. Now, if I'm a trader, if I'm a trader, um, then of course hot takes is you know I, I live and die by those things because of the because of the fact that they can impact you know sentiment from the hour to hour, minute to minute, or day by day. But when I look at the overall, and it's like, okay, hey, the overall right now, it looks dark, it looks gloomy. But then I look at earnings, you know, I, I, I go back and look at things and I say, okay, hey, yeah, earnings have gotten kind of like, you know, they, they've shrunk a little bit. But are earnings negative? Is earnings growth negative? No. Across the companies that I look at? No. Do I still expect that the companies in which that I like do I still expect them to be solid? Yes. Do I still expect that these companies to consistently keep producing strong cash flows? Yes. Do I, do I expect that these companies, when we come out of this, do I expect them to be better positioned than many of the other players or, or even across the market? Yes. So if I'm looking at that long-term thesis, and if I'm looking at also moving forward over the, let's say, next two years to five years, I like, I honestly like where the market is. I like that the fact that we're in an accumulation period right now. I really, really do. The reason why is because of the fact is, it's like, you know, now this produces a buying opportunity for the next set of folks in whom which that will become the next set of millionaires or the next, you know, billionaires, the wealth transfer that takes place. You know, we saw glimpses that like, if you don't believe that, then, you know, explain the wealth transfer that took place during 2020 and 2021. Now, of course, We'll probably never see quantitative easing like that again, but it doesn't mean that quantitative easing won't come back because it always does. But it's it's just the thing is, is that, again, you know, there is a period of time where people saw that there was an opportunity in the market. And there's just like anything else, there's always opportunity. The question is, do you take advantage of it? It's kind of like playing the game cash flow by rich dad, poor dad. Mm. You know, the object of playing the game is, is that you're going to be presented, you're presented with more opportunities than anything else in the game. You know, you could be downsized, you know, divorced in the game. And those are like, you know, they come few and far in between. You can literally, you know, literally have life moments. You also have expenses throughout the game as well. But majority of the game is built upon exactly you being consistently presented with opportunities and then, of course, from you taking advantage of those opportunities, some in which that you will miss, but you also get to see the reflection of what the market says based upon you taking advantage of those opportunities. The market always will the market will always respond to exactly you know the opportunities that in which that you that whether you took advantage of or the opportunities in which that you missed. And so I see the same thing play out in real life, which 
I mean, for me, it's like, it's what's made it. It's what has brought me to the stage and where I'm at today, where there was opportunities presented and I took advantage of them. Now, did it sting in during points in time? God, yes. But when you make it through one other side and when you keep that long term mindset in perspective and I'm not telling anybody like, OK, hey, just go purely long term. Like if you're a, like but having diversification, like you could do long term and then also say, for example, you know, trade. I mean, having a healthy balance and healthy media. But it's like when you look at the opportunities that sit in front of you two years from now, a year from now. What will these companies look like a year from now? You know, we're already starting to see it play out. You know, if you and and I, and I don't think a lot of people paid attention to this. Go and look at who was spending, who increased their spending. Now, let's let's remove some variables out of the way, shall we? Yeah. Let's remove like let's say like wages, like so you're operating. Like let's go into like the folks that increase their R and D. Let's go into the folks in whom which that are spending like gangbusters to like literally get ahead of their competition or who's acquiring. You know, those are the types of things in which that we see in which that, okay, after those things take place, it becomes pure and evident. And it's just a matter of just waiting and just sitting back and letting time play out. So, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask you, is there... So I was going to ask you about Best Buy's earnings. Was there anything in Best Buy's earnings that you gleaned that wasn't talked about, like mainstream? Mm. I mean, it was pretty standard, but I'm just wondering, like, just from, like, given the context of what we're talking about today and, you know, long term and, you know, maybe engaging in some short term was there anything that you gleaned that maybe most didn't see or anything that we should pay attention to? So I'm reading through the, I'm reading through their earnings sheet right now as we speak. So I'm skimming through it. Cause I, I actually haven't even looked at Best Buy's earnings today at all. Well, clearly, um, but all right, let me take a quick look. Um, do you want me to share a screen? So that way people can yeah. see what I see. Yeah. That way you guys can see exactly how is it that I skim through something really, really fast which is weird. Um, okay, so can you guys see my screen? Yeah. Okay, so here's Best Buy's earnings. Um, and so again, they're, the interesting thing that always catches me off guard is because they also go a year in advance. So they're already in Q2 of uh, fiscal year 2023, which is weird, um, but whatever. Um, Let's see here. International comparable sales was down. I mean, we're seeing a lot of the things that are down across the board, and, and that's kind of like warranted. I mean, enterprise comparable sales. Now that's interesting. That pays attention. That, that I would probably pay attention to. Um, so yeah, enterprise spending has definitely come down. Let's see here. I'm getting past the fluff. Um, we are clearly operating in, in an uneven sales environment. As we enter the year, we expected the consumer electronics industry to be softer than last year, following two years of elevated growth driven by unusual strong demand uh, for technology products and services and fueled partly by stimulus dollars. The macro environment has been more challenged due to several factors, and that has put additional pressure on the industry. 
So, of course, I think that that's something that we see across the entire board. This includes active assess actively assessing further actions to evolve our operating model, manage profitability, and iterate on our growth initiatives. So I'm probably seeing that they're probably going to turn on some levers here if they have them. I mean, I want, I know that they, like, if you look at what Best Buy used to be five years ago versus where it is today, you know, it's crazy in which that, like, a lot of major tech companies have their own sections built within Best Buys now. So, like, Apple has its own hub. Microsoft has its own hub. And I could probably see that start to take place also within their consumer uh, products as well. Like, on the other side, like, you know, refrigerator, home, and stuff like that. But, again, I think that that's not a lever yet. Um, let's see. We anticipate that our comparable sales will decline slightly more than 12.1% decline. We reported for the second quarter. We anticipate the year-over-year -year decline in our non-GAAP operating income. Uh, income rate at, in Q3 will be very similar to or slightly more than. So pretty much they're expecting that essentially that they're probably going to see a little bit more weaker uh, earnings uh, across the board. So they're kind of like preparing. Um, and, that the, and the thing is, is like the question is, is this a sandbag? Because we kind of reach that point in time of the year where we do start to see the consumers get ready and start acting a little bit since vacation is over, but you know, like any other vacation, when you spend significant amounts of money, and then of course you go back, you have to go back in that accumulation of cash. <laughs> and I'm probably assuming that that's what the consumer is going through right now. Um, let's see here, growth rate, uh, gross profit rate was 22% versus 23.7. So again, it's like, we're still seeing that things are starting to contract a little bit for them. But outside of that, I mean, I'm not really seeing anything really that sticks out outside of just the, you know, the growth is slowing a little bit, but the earnings is still solid across the, the top and bottom line for Best Buy. I'm not really seeing anything that's really wrong with them now. Um, yeah, I'm just seeing that things are starting to scale back a little bit, but um, yeah. Effective tax rate was 15.6 uh, versus 8% last year. So something to pay attention to. On a non-GAAP basis, the effective tax rate was 16.7 versus 8.4. So their tax rate is pretty much almost double. Um, share repurchases and dividends. Returning a total of 208 million to shareholders through the share repurchases of 10 million and dividends of 198 million. So again, we got that part. But the company announced in its board an authorized payment of its regular quarterly cash dividend. So again, of 88 cents, which is actually not a bad dividend at all. But outside of that, I'm not seeing anything that's really like, you know, really bad, you know, that says, okay, hey, that, you know, the end is near for a company like Best Buy. I think the thing is, is that they're weathering the storm just like everybody else's in the economic landscape. Like I said, the only thing that really like stuck out to me was probably the enterprise side of things. But again, it's like I'm probably guessing that when we see people go back to work more, then of course you'll start seeing those purchases pick up. I don't think that enterprise is done spending. I think that we saw recently that somebody had lifted their COVID vaccine uh, restrictions uh, for people to come back to work too. So that should be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but again, I'm not seeing anything that really sticks out to me that says, hey, you know, the sky is falling. Um, looking at the rest of our pick list, is there um, 
is there any any one of the picks that you have your immediate eye on? I know you like look at all of them, but is there one that is like top of mind? Uh, let's or go to the that's list. top of mind for you? Let's go to the pick list if I can. So that way I yeah. can get a good look at it. Give me one second. Um, I, I see, because keep in mind, y'all, I'm I can't log into everything, so just bear with me for a second. Um, so I'm gonna actually pull it up in the community tab because here's another thing that a lot of folks don't know: you can actually pull it up on our community tab under YouTube, and you'll see the pick list there also. Oh, nice. Yeah. So um, notice how I had DVN and Fang and OIH at the top. Yeah. Um, and then I'm paying attention to insurance for sure. Like, you know, those are where the consumer is. Like, if the con if we start seeing fallbacks in insurance spending, that could be very, very interesting. I mean, AXP, that's American Express. Um and then, of course, Costco representing the wholesale market, so seeing exactly how those can be impacted. And at the bottom, notice the, the, the ones that I have at the bottom are technically at the bottom for the market this year. Um, so that's very, very interesting. But again... Well, I see it, Mark. Are you... Were you supposed to oh, I'm, I'm, just I'm just examining it, but, I mean, if you guys want me to, I can, I can pull it up, too. Um, I mean, I'm looking at it from our Instagram page. So let's see here. Share screen window. Can you all see the screen? Yes. All right. So um, one of the things that I'm paying attention to very closely is definitely within the areas of cloud. Uh, because again, if I see that people are going back to work, I see that cloud spin will definitely pick up. Um, let's see here. What else am I looking at? I mean, yeah, I'm, I would say the things to pay attention to is look at these these arenas and see exactly how they start to shift. Like, and do these sectors start coming up to the top? So again, XOK, XOY, SMH, XLI, XLF um, are all great company or all great ETFs. Great opportunities based upon where they currently are trading right now, or where their current price targets, where their current prices are today. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are things in which I do see that can be vulnerable mm -hmm. here. Like, for example, uh, Target is vulnerable. Nike's pretty much held up pretty well. Uh, I would say pay attention to ABB. Uh, that's ABBB. Um, Home Depot, I can see that is also vulnerable. Uh, Joann's, I think that they'll be fine, but I think they are also vulnerable. No shade to my wife, Erica. Um, let's see here. Energy, renewable energy spin in 10, I can see doing well. The gaming market has to pick up in order for Unity to like literally pick up itself. I mean, gaming has significantly slowed down so far since we've seen a lot of game titles have been pulled back from this year and, you know, moved out to 2023. So those are, those are issues. Um, PC sales hurt Microsoft. 
Um, Apple, everybody's kind of like, well, what's it going to be Apple as it pertains to the future of the company outside of what we already know? CrowdStrike, I like it. Um, let's see, FTNT, and that just falls in line with FTNT Z Scaler. Uh, Netflix, I'm actually not giving up on just yet. So just as a heads up, Twilio is a company that I think that a lot of people really don't pay attention to. Um, Question so, real quick, Mark. So yeah. there's some questions about the, the context for this. Um, besides it just being, you know, the, the pick list. So if you could just briefly share like what what the, the context is for this, like why certain ones are in certain areas you know, what does the doors open mean? And then we see like some little shadows in the background of, you know, TQQQ and SQQ. Oh, well, yeah, because there's there's a bullish door and there's a there's the bearish door. There's something for everybody within this position. Cash cows means that essentially the one thing that you want to look for is the, the companies that have cash um, because cash is definitely going to be king in this market. The reason why I place DVN, FANG, and OIH up at the top because of the fact that I believe that essentially that energy was going to go for a great run this year, especially as the environment started to unshake and unfold. Um, and I felt like in this environment, we would see that, you know, XOK, XOY, if these, if this sector, if these sectors are doing well, which is energy, then I would think that these would also come down. Um, and then it's like, I, if you notice, I this is probably one of the most amount of ETFs that I've put into, say mm -hmm. for example, a pick list. Um, because of the fact that I wanted people to get acquainted with, you know, it, it's an easy way for people to get acquainted with, you know, great sector base funds alongside with great ETFs. So like, for example, what people didn't realize was that, you know, you have the S and P 500, the Dow Jones industrial, the Russell. Um, but did you notice one of the, one of the ETFs that's not there that represents the NASDAQ the QQQ is not in there. Mark, you just cut out. I said that the QQQ, which represents the NASDAQ, is not in there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, depending, the reason why I put everything also in the middle is because of the fact that you could play if you're a trader or if you just had a long-term insight. Any of these positions, you could have picked a spot and said, okay, hey, that, you know, if I'm bearish on the year, then I can be bearish pretty much across a lot of these different companies that are or companies or ETFs that are in this pick list. If I'm bullish, if my sentiment is bullish, there's a lot of openings. When I picked the picks also, I also looked at it in the sense that, you know, I wanted it, it to be something in there for everybody, whether or not like it was agnostic of whether or not you were bearish or bullish. You know, that was the biggest thing. The reason why I set XOK these at the bottom is because of the fact that these are the major pillars that really move and shake the market. You know, the S&P 500 cannot move without XOK, the technology, consumer discretionary, industrial, and financial sector. It will not. You could say that health and energy and some of those others will, will create dents in the S&P 500, but in the grand scheme of things, they will not move the S&P 500 without these sectors. And a major part of a lot of these sectors moving um, out of these four sectors is really within the chip sector because of the fact that I believe that the chip sector has made its way now into these four sectors. Mm. So if you look at consumer discretionary, 
you're starting to see a lot of semiconductors there. We already know that semiconductors are there within the technology sector. We already see that semiconductors play a major role into industrial. And of course, we're going to start seeing that semiconductors due to cloud as well as algorithmic and on top of that, artificial intelligence and intelligence assistance is definitely going to need significant processing power in order to do such complications. So again, that's the reason why I said that SMH is probably the cornerstone. If I had to go with what is my biggest conviction in moving forward for this out of this entire list over the next three years, I would probably say it's the base of all things, which is probably SMH moving forward. And SMH is on sale right now. Like I'm looking at how it's been doing this year. Yeah. Yeah. So 1604 and 216.5 in the aftermarket. Yeah. So, I mean, but that's literally how it was literally constructed. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, you know, too much, you know, significant thought, you know, thought process that like literally, you know, made everything, you know, I wasn't trying to be so coded and so riddled um, in this one. But if you guys want me to, I can, <laughs> but, you know, but I was trying to make it easy for everybody, given in the sense of what I expected to be coming down the pipeline for the year. So, yeah. So, I mean, I look at it like this, you know, because a lot of folks are, you know, worried about a recession. And it's like, you know, recessions just mean that essentially that we've slowed our growth. You know, a lot of people are like mixing recessions with depressions and like literally overhyping them into conversations, which is like. I've been in the market for almost 20 years and I've seen quite a few recessions and I've seen and I've had the ability to witness a, you know, a financial depression as well. And what I can tell you is out of all the recessions in which that I've been able to live through, and while being in the market, it's like, okay, the question that you have to ask yourself, and I'll give you a hint, when the market finds itself in recession, what do you think will happen once when the market realizes it's, it's in recession? Mm-hmm. You know, will the companies stop, will the companies out there stop being great? Will their earnings, will their earnings stop being stellar? You know, some of them will, but the, the vast majority, the winners in which that we've, hopefully that we've trained each and every single one of you to look at, they won't stop being winners. If anything, it will produce an opportunity for them to buy other companies at a cheaper price. Unless, you know, of course, the federal government says, you know, hey, stop, you can't, you're not going to allow you to buy it. But, <laughs> but you know, it's like, and that's the thing. It's like, for me, it's like, as we get into certain conversations, I kind of tend to fall back, you know, on, you know, joining in on, on a lot of the discussions. And I've done that... It, it, you know, when I get quiet on things, it means that it's, it's not only because of the fact that honestly, it's like, you know, there's no point in entertaining some of the conversations, but it's also in the sense that, you know, a lot of times it's like there's a lot of hype where we over, we tend to overhype things based upon what we've read, what we've heard, the conversations, the chatter and everything else. Here's a simple thing for y'all. If you guys don't learn anything else from this conversation, if you don't learn anything else from the come up series, Keep it basic, keep it simple. 
those are the like keep it simple stupid the kiss metric is one of the fundamental pieces towards business business 101 keep it simple you know if you don't like the if you don't like the mantra of keep it simple stupid keep it simple stellar or keep it super simple there you go Add a super you know <laughs> you know it's like my grandfather used to always tell me mark don't bring sand to the beach <laughs> so i'm not gonna do that so and what i mean by that is Recessions are already going to come with their, you know, with each and every single one of their nuances. Recessions are never exactly quite the same. We see that there's slow growth that are taking place. I mean, you could technically say that we're in a recession now because of the growth that has slowed over a quarter over quarter basis. Okay. But does that still mean that Apple's still not going to be bringing in $100 billion in revenue? Between 80 to $100 billion in revenue? Mm, I mean, put that into, put that into the light. Like, imagine Apple coming through with multiple quarters. 10 quarters of $100 billion <laughs> solidifies its valuation. <laughs> so, like, do I get caught up into all the into all the madness and everything else? What for? What for? Do I, and that's why I said, I don't sacrifice long-term vision with temporary moments. I don't. Well, Mark... Um, it is one minute past dinner time and also some news or rather an announcement next week. We won't be here guys. We will not. We are taking a break. And after today's events, I probably need this break so that I can go back and like redo lesson plans and everything else. Yeah. So you all... We gave you some stuff to look at, you know, while we're gone for one week <laughs> next week. One week. Do one not week. lose your minds. <laughs> we'll be back. We'll be back. Um, but, you know, keep the conversation going on social media. You can make sure to follow the Come Up Series at that Come Up Series on IG. Um, and then also, you know, pay attention to what's happening in the conversation with Twitter. And then shout out to our amazing sponsor, partner, homie, uh, Bar Chart. You know, uh, John will have a show. He a weekly show now. Yeah, um, he has a weekly show. Yeah, he's becoming syndicated out here. I, I, I'm here for it. Right. So but he'll be at, he'll actually be coming back on the show. Uh, and on top of that, we're also gonna have a good friend of mine, Aaron Mitchell. Shout outs to cousin Michelle, uh, who definitely set it up. Um, he's done some pretty phenomenal things. You know. You know, like, for example, here's a hint. How do you bring $100 million to black banks? Mm. Well, that's going to well, be a great I, you're gonna You're going to be listening to the person who did that, so. Oh, for sure. You're going to be taking notes, you know, asking questions, getting all, all the details. So, yes. On this fine Tuesday, Mark, it's time to shut it on down. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you for rocking with us. I got to get back to like literally fixing the entire yeah. office setups. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for rocking with us. And hopefully you had some pretty solid information. Somebody said, Mark, we didn't see a chart. Okay, quickly. I'll show you a chart real quick. Well, it's the good. same chart that I've been paying. It's the same chart that I've been like literally paying attention to for quite some time. So if, you know, if you're new to this and you're going to be, or if you're, you've been here for a while, you're going to be bored. If not, you're going to see something that's pretty much the same. So again, here is the long-term trend in which that's why I said, I don't really sacrifice temporary moments for long-term vision. Um, 
Hence the reason why I look at it all the way back to 2016. We're still in that same bull chart. Now we are in a downcline, but it's going to be very interesting to see exactly how we get there, especially as all eyes look towards November of this year, which is around the same time of the election. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. And then on top of that, did we successfully retest at this level or are we going further down to the downside? Don't be, don't fight the Fed, but also don't be too scared of the Fed. Um, the people who work at the Fed are people too. Wait, say that <laughs> so again. I said, I said, don't, don't fight the Fed, but also don't be too afraid of the Fed because the Fed is made up of people too. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, so, I mean, I'll probably in, the, in our next show, I'll probably go more chat or I'll probably go more chart focus. And then of course, when we have John on here, I'm also going to go very much so deep into it. And we're going to go charts alongside with economics. So that way we can, we can show the reflection. Um, yeah. So be on the lookout there. But again, this is the chart in which that I'm paying attention to um, and whether or not I'm looking at it on a monthly or, or a daily or a weekly. I mean, it still looks pretty uh, interesting to me. So again, you know, figure out exactly how is it that you follow the trend and how is it that the data reflects for you? And of course, move forward accordingly. All right, y'all. Until next time, I am Mark Monroe. I'm Jalen GC in the place to be. And this has been your come up. We hope that you guys were able to learn something valuable today. We will see you in two weeks. So, yeah. Keep learning, keep researching, because the more you learn, the more you earn. Peace, y'all.